0: You're listening to Checking In, a self-help book club hosted by Adam and Amber, where we read self-help books each week and sit down to talk about them.
1: Disclaimer, the opinions recorded on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the authors mentioned here. Welcome back. Here's another episode of the, the book club mm-hmm. with Adam and Amber. It's called Checking In, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> we were just talking about uh, right before we turned the the mics on whether or not to have a trigger warning for this episode.
0: Um, I don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I can, of course, put one in there later.
1: Yeah, I think we're okay, but this is uh, it's going to be kind of one of the heavier episodes. Yeah, just in terms of like what it's about, but um, the 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 gist of the book is like essentially how to be happy and and loving and how to get things to work. Not it's not going to be like entirely like trauma centered, uh, like uh, Codependent No More was. Yeah. So this week we're doing Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson. She is a Clinical psychologist and research professor based in both Ottawa, Canada, and California. So she's in Ottawa, Canada, and Ottawa, California. It's amazing. It's a huge coincidence. She founded the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy in Ottawa and is the recipient of numerous awards.
0: Boss babe.
1: Yeah. And uh, I guess here's the elevator pitch for you guys. Here's essentially what the book uh, is about. Have you ever gotten into a completely absurd argument with your partner? (laughs) No. Say over a few stray hairs in the drain or some dirty dishes in the sink. It's actually pretty common to get into disputes over inconsequential issues like these. But why? Well, when a couple senses that their relationship is getting rocky, they panic, overreact, and they end up in endless arguments. I have never been in a situation like that before. So this is a really fantastical, (laughs) unrealistic scenario. (laughs) Uh, This is science fiction, uh, essentially. (laughs) No, all of our listeners have been in this position, right?
0: Uh, One of, I mean, a really bad fight we had was about, like,
1: Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a thing that happens... (laughs) When you're dating somebody that's, like, a lot older than you.
0: (laughs) I mean, so this book was written in 2009, so obviously that was kind of when social media was just, like, Facebook had just stopped being for only college students. Um,
1: Yeah, does anybody remember that originally (laughs) it was, like, a yearbook of sorts, and you would be able to go and just contact your classmates? It would be very easy to to stay in touch with the people that you currently are going to school with.
0: But she didn't mention any Facebook drama in the book. Right. And we can't I mean.
1: we can't be buzz marketing Facebook <laughs> because they're up and comers like they are and they need to pay us for they're not gonna pay us for anything. <laughs> yeah, there's no point they in, t- in having that conversation. Um <clears throat> so essentially when I was in couples counseling. Several years ago, one of my exes very smartly made sure that I was going to see a therapist and I was, I already was doing that of my own free will. But she also said like, as soon as we were like together for real, officially together, um, that she wanted us to be in couples counseling because she wanted me and her to have like a common language that we could use to talk about our relationship because while she was getting to know me like before we were official official I would have issues that made no sense and we would have fights that made no sense and even though I was the older one I was the one who was more emotionally immature in these fights like essentially I would revert to being uh, a child and she's having to do the emotional labor to like bring me back into and she was like I can't be doing this I cannot be doing this so you need to be going to therapy on your own and we need to be going to couples counseling to figure out essentially why you're wrong all the time
0: (laughs) did it happen to be
1: guys I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking (laughs) men that's not what couples counseling is like
0: Did it happen to be Big Dick Therapy? It was
1: was only Big Dick Therapy.
0: (laughs) We just watched that episode of Saturday Night Live, you know, because I can't really stay up that late to watch it when it originally comes out. I usually watch it later. And that was one of the funniest skits I've seen in a long
1: time. (laughs) Yeah, Amy Schumer tricks her husband slash boyfriend into she's like well you need to be going to big dick therapy and her friends are talking to her like wow you know he was really toxic and now he seems really good well that's because i'm going to big dick therapy and it's just therapy but they put the words (laughs) big dick in front of it to make the guy think that it was okay for guys to go to right
0: because therapy is only for women typically or a woman makes you go
1: i had an (laughs) idea that i needed to go Initially, completely free of any female influence. And this was uh, in the like two year span after my dad died. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a kid uh, like a couple months before he died. And he got to hold my kid like one time. And then he died. And then I've got a kid. And it was like a hectic two years. A little, um, I had a little bit of hair go gray in front. Like it went white, like a white shock of hair in front that's gone now. And that's not a thing apparently, but it's gone now. (laughs) Um, and I was thinking like, gosh, I feel like my brain does not work very well around like dad centered stuff. Like there, there feels like there's something wrong with me. I wish I could have some insight, like some really helpful insight because my friends are not getting it done. You know, like my friends are the same age as me. They're in their early and mid-20s and they don't know how to deal with any of this stuff. I was like one of the first people that I knew who had a parent die. So I don't really have anybody that I can talk to about this. So like I went to a therapist one time and they told me like, well, here's what, you know, people who were adopted when they were 10, 12, 14 months old. Here's the kind of... Personalities that they wind up having. And I was like, yep, you described my dad. That was all the problems that I had with him. Okay, cool, thanks, bye. <laughs> and then several years what later, I, I realized, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I would actually like more of that. Like, I kind of want an ongoing therapy to kind of help me because I've got it. That's not my problem. I've got millions of problems. And I would really like a mature perspective on how to, like, work these things out. Anyway... I feel like this book dovetails nicely into uh, therapy because it is largely about therapy Mm -hmm. and because my couples therapist essentially used this book as a workbook.
0: Yeah. Um, Strangely enough, I was also recommended this book when I was in couples therapy with my ex-partner and (laughs) I didn't read it though because I was like, I
1: know he ain't going to read it. I ain't about to read this. So you felt like you're not gonna do the work because you know he's not gonna do the work.
0: I mean it's so like penny, like I'm literally paying no. money, you know, to yeah. go to therapy and I'm like, Well, I know he ain't gonna do that. I ain't about to do that, I ain't about to read this if he ain't even gonna
1: You're I mean, you're right. But that goes Which into a that conver- should have
0: been like the biggest problem. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's a red flag. Like I know he's not gonna do anything for this relationship, so I'm not going to either. And at that point... the ther- It's the- like
0: the group project, like I didn't want to be the person that was carrying the entire weight of the group if, project. At that
1: point, the couple's counselor should like cut in and be like, ding, ding, relationship's you got it. over. You yeah.
0: Um, which, I mean, and we can unpack a lot of this later, but one thing about the book that I just kept thinking about is this is not, none of this really great advice is going to work unless both people are super invested in taking what this book says seriously.
1: Our, our um, puppy Jolene <laughs> has entered the chat. It, so if you hear some low end rumblings, I, I apologize. I'm going to try to get that out in the mix later, but I mention it because I'm not going to be able to edit out all of the puppy <laughs> noises because there's probably about to be several. Jolene down. This dog just turned around and looked at me and wagged her tail and it oh. did not lay down at all. Um, Okay, so this the most helpful thing in this book for me long before I recognized that it was from this book because by the way my couples therapist did not actually assign this as reading ever. Mm. He be
0: <laughs> She's like they ain't going to read this. Look
1: well, at these fools. Well, I I sh- <laughs> no, I mean like the he probably <laughs> assumed that I would do the reading, but he never assigned it.
0: Oh, I didn't know yours was a man.
1: Yeah. Randy Right. And he, I'm sorry. I'm probably not supposed to say that. <laughs> Randy's listening to this podcast as a resource every week. And he's just like, dang it. I've been be outed nice. as a therapist. Um <laughs> So this, he would show up every week and be like, well, if you remember from this book, you know, from hold me tight, one of the things is demon dialogue. And yeah. You're engaging in demon dialogue right now. And I'm like, if you want me to read the book, just tell me to read the book.
0: <laughs> One thing about the all of these books, really, is that they have their own little terms and jargon that they come up with. But in this book, there is quite a few. There is...
1: <laughs> My own demon dialogue has now entered the chat. There's another hey, dog. Hi. All right, we're going to have to pause. We're going to take a quick break while I let the dogs out and uh, just remind you that our podcast is imaginarily brought to you by Aeropostal. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah um, I had a podcast a long time ago before podcasting was really popular. It was called The Moving On Up Show. Um, and I did a lot of really stupid, like, we are sponsored by Aeropostale. Like, that wasn't true. Like, I just thought it was fun.
1: It's, well, it's it's probably the best airline.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> um, Every week we're going to do another one, and I'm going to pretend like I don't know what it is at all.
0: I hope I get sponsored by Subway. Um, Eat flesh. Ooh, But um, anyway, so jargon, book jargon, self-help book jargon. This one, it has a few terms that repeat throughout the book. One is raw spots.
1: Raw spots was the one that was the most helpful thing to me because Mm -hmm. I was full of them. I was covered with them. I had leprosy of raw spots.
0: Like carpet burns versus full on third degree.
1: Yeah. Essentially, raw spots are, without looking down at my notes, raw spots are like traumatic injuries that have happened to your soul and your heart that you never properly recovered from. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it could be like, um, I get to a certain point in the relationship where my first wife uh, was doing something. And then I assume that my second wife is going to do the same thing at the same point. Mm -hmm. And if I start getting indications that that's happening, I panic it's over yada, yada, or it might be, You just said something that my dad would say before he started hitting me or something. Yeah. And by the way, that's not a personal example. That's like, you know, a more more like
0: like a broad. Yeah. It's just yeah. Something that has happened to you. That's traumatic. Yeah. That's
1: something that happens to broads. (laughs) No, that's not what she meant. Sorry.
0: Um, And then they also have the demon dialogue Mm -hmm. and then they have the protest polka, which always makes.
1: I need the whole polka thing to stop because there were a few <laughs> things that got um labeled as polkas and they're not polkas at all some of them were marches some of them were more of like a bossa nova and <laughs> the polka thing doesn't really work it's clearly not an experienced musician that wrote this book
0: yeah. <laughs> it definitely made me think of like ska music <laughs> <laughs> If your relationship turns to Scott. <laughs> the
1: Mighty mighty Boss Tones doing the protest polka. <laughs> Except it's a political song.
0: Right. So this book, I listened to it on audio book. Um, a lot of these, pretty much all of these are going to be that way just because we gave ourselves a pretty quick turnaround time on reading a new one each week. This one actually took you a minute to get through.
1: Yeah. Well, it was really hard to read. <laughs> That's an audiobook. No, uh, I had my youngest child a lot more uh, over the last week. And he is the kind of kid who will sit silently, being just like happy as a clam to be in total silence. And then if I put something on, he has to now narrate everything that he's doing. (laughs) And I'm not the kind of dad that will usually be like, Hey, shut the fuck up. I'm listening, you know, like, and it wouldn't work on this kid anyway. You know, he'd be like, what, what, um, how come you're not interested in everything that I'm saying all of a sudden? And I would just turn it off and go, you know, and listen to whatever it was that because he wants my full undivided attention and that's fine. And that makes sense. And it would just be longer and longer and longer before I could get back into listening to this book. So this one actually did take me two weeks Because I had so much life stuff going on. Yeah. But uh, I was already very familiar with the contents of the book without (laughs) having read it, thanks to, you know, my old couple's counselor.
0: I just thought you didn't like it. I was like, oh, he must hate this one. Um, Yeah, I read it pretty quick, but I think it was just because it wasn't a whole lot that I needed to go back, listen to, digest. It wasn't anything like super abstract. The audiobook, um, Dr., is not narrated by dr sue johnson but it is another british lady Mm -hmm. so like when it first turned it on i was like oh god i I can't i can't handle this this is like harry potter or something and then i'm like how do i even watch like british movies or like freaking downtown abbey or whatever (laughs) like and then i was like oh subtitles and i'm like wait the the book
1: is the subtitles whoa (laughs)
0: And I just so,
1: if it. you want a transcript of this audiobook, <laughs> you could just buy the book.
0: You're right. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Um, We've
1: come back around. To, you know? I just want this book written down, if at all possible.
0: I, you know, I, so I got used to it. Um...
1: She has a, a posh. I hope that's okay that I say that she has kind of is a, pos- it a slur. She has she has an upscale <laughs> London accent.
0: Posh Spice is now a slur
1: for British people. I'm just saying I don't know that she's posh, oh, but right. she hasn't. A- she has an upscale um, London accent, right? And it so just like, it's- makes
0: me feel very fancy.
1: Yeah, she is fancy. She's a fancy lady, and you feel fancy when you're listening to this book for sure.
0: Um, but they kind of open up with a lot of studies and historical psychological terms so it's a little hard like to get through that part mm-hmm. because a lot of it's like in this study conducted in 1961 you know little babies like to be held it's like oh wow I right would never thought they that. talk you about know, the cloth like, monkey and the wire
1: monkey right um so that part of the book is her essentially she has her own style of therapy right And she grabs you by the hand and drags you across all of this other kinds of therapy to show you why she has reached this point where she's like, I'm doing this. Um, My peers are saying that this is the right way of doing it. And it's, I still have couples in counseling whose problems are not remotely solved by these Mm -hmm. kinds of therapy. They keep on going around and around in circles and they're doing more research, and eventually they arrive at this kind of therapy. I'm sorry, do you remember what it was called? What her.
0: <laughs> I was trying to think of that while you were talking. It's she, like.
1: She e... only says it 900 times. It's like
0: ERM or ERT. Uh, yeah,
1: it's EDM. It's electronic dance. Yeah. That's probably not right.
0: But yeah, it's it's emotional openness. In a way that I feel like when I first started reading it was, you know, a little foreign for a 2022, I guess, mindset. Why is that? Because I feel like we are kind of socialized to think I need to be a lot more independent. I need to have my own life. I need to have my own things going on, my own career, So these
1: people in 2022 have read Codependent No More. Right. (laughs) No, it's just... They've moved away from an unhealthy attachment. (laughs) This book is about... Healthy attachment.
0: Right. In which it it was a little bit hard, you know, at first to differentiate between a healthy and an unhealthy attachment for me. Um, Just because I had pretty much only known unhealthy. And then, oh, you're going to turn around and say, like, I need to put every ounce of trust I have into this person now. That seems really stupid. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to do that. That seems very frightening. That's gross. And I think most of my peers... You know, most of my friends are a little older than me, but I think most of them would say, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's my husband, but, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't trust him. I don't know what he's doing. So <laughs> this this book is not about a, a blind, uh, blissful trust fall, I don't think. It's about, like, the the battle to get to that point where, like, you know what? You know what I deserve? I deserve to be trusted. Yeah, And both of the people in the relationship are like, I deserve to be trusted. And how do you get to that point where you'd feel safe with the other person and trusting them, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So after the introduction, the the point is that emotional attachment is a basic need. Yeah. And we just, we have to get used to that idea Mm. that like, we're not weird because we want to be emotionally attached to somebody else. That's not unhealthy. The nature of emotional attachment is not unhealthy. Yeah. The ways in which we do it can be healthy or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So that she kind of covers that in the book. Do you remember uh, anything more about that section?
0: Uh, You might not have
1: notes about it. So I apologize.
0: (laughs) I mean, I took random notes throughout. Um, I think I remember her saying something in this intro about people fare better health-wise when they're married, statistically. Yeah. I feel like I disagree with that kindly well, as a scientist um, because I just think men fare better in marriage than <laughs> than women.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we die first anyway, no matter what, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the- Jonathan, 28, died because no one ever did his laundry.
0: Right. Oh, my God. That's going to be my brother. (laughs) I know he's not listening to this.
1: So, (laughs) shout out to the (laughs) non-listeners. The next section is about how intimate relationships can help us to recover from traumas. Yeah. That is where we, like, really start to resonate. Um, Like... Almost every day, one of my astrology apps is like, Amber is going to help you recover, you know, like help you work through certain traumas. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Amber is getting a little tired of helping me work through my traumas. But when we first met and we first like really started talking, everything was just like unearthing trauma. Mm -hmm. And I was like, gosh, why is this happening? (laughs) Well, you know like new and interesting people help you to examine things about yourself. Like you see yourself the way they see you and like you get a new perspective on yourself. And I, I know I was like, damn it, damn, why can't I do these things that you just like, you know, this is super duper easy. And then I have to try to figure out like, okay, so do I have like, am I traumatized by that? I am. <laughs> Why am I traumatized by this stuff? This is ridiculous. <laughs> and then I have to kind of turn and face it and uh, and figure out what the deal is and then I can make a different choice the next time I start getting the, the lure to spiral about something.
0: By the way, his astrology app is called Big Dick Astrology. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually paid for the subscription that sends constant praises of me to his phone so we don't forget
1: (laughs) don't forget you got a girlfriend
0: yeah i don't think in the previous episodes we even said like anything about our relationship we just met we just sat down here
1: the uh yeah that's this is our relationship actually episode one uh was the (laughs) beginning um uh next next she goes into attachment types yeah um She says it's normal that we all experience a bit of fear when we disagree and argue with our partner. Mm -hmm. The arguing impacts different attachment styles very differently, though. So there's secure attachment types and avoidant attachments, Mm -hmm. but anxious attachment Mm -hmm. types, which, you know, we recently hung out with one of your friends that had the anxious attachment type. I don't think that she would have any problem with me bringing that up. Um, Especially since I'm not going to name her, but the who boy, like the anxious attachment type Mm. is constantly going to be questioning whether everything is okay, Mm -hmm. whether or not their partner is even alive. Yeah. And either one of the other two attachment types mentioned the secure and avoidant are going to be like, what? Right like why are you so broken that's that's the attachment type
0: right and when i first discovered you know attachment types in i don't know i'm probably in the last like 3 or 4 years i was like oh i'm a <laughs> really anxious attachment don't like that mm-hmm. um but it was kind of i don't know i think sometimes there's a little bit of a relief when you find something that really does kind of describe your behavior and your mental th- process. And it makes at least me feel yeah. a lot less alone Yeah. just because sometimes the nature of post-traumatic stress disorder is very lonely.
1: Um, and thinking that you're the only person who's mm-hmm. broken in this one way. And that could be very isolating.
0: Yeah. And she also, um, there's a lot in this book of her rewriting some therapy breakthroughs that she's had with some of her clients. So they'll have, she'll have anecdotal examples. Which she has I think, a lot of them. Right. She has a lot of them. Um, I liked those. I really liked the ones that outline how it's normal to want reassurance in your relationship with your person. I think that... In my previous relationships, I was always feeling like or just flat out called out as like, you're so needy, you're needy, you're needy. And And then it's like,
1: okay, so what do you do with that? though?
0: Right. So, you know, I'm kind of trying to which she talks in the book about how unhealthy this is. I'm trying to kind of suppress and self-soothe my quote unquote neediness when, you know, it's. Not abnormal to want some reassurance throughout your relationship. Um, And I really liked that part. I don't know.
1: Yeah. How did you feel about this? And because a lot of people that don't ask for reassurance are going to find this whole section completely weird. How did you feel about like the idea of asking? For reassurance
0: yeah so uncomfortable but it's part of that emotional openness that she pretty much thinks is the key to a successful relationship um you're gonna be comfortable and trusting enough to ask your partner for what you need even if it does sound silly when you say it out loud
1: <laughs> yeah and there's also the problem of uh and i think feel like this is an ego thing because it doesn't really make sense otherwise that if you you feel like if you have to ask for something that it's not the same thing when you get it as if it was just volunteered right but I am here to tell you that like I feel all sorts of ways and I will just never volunteer that information because it is not it's not been safe for me to in the past Mm -hmm. but if you ask me Yeah, sure, I have a whole bag of reassurance here for you. I had no idea that you cared, you know? (laughs) So um, that is kind of one of the things in the book, is that, like, you need to ask for what you want and need.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of times she mentions that a lot of the fights that some of these couples would get into really boil down to just a few Things Like, basically, I feel unsafe. I feel unheard or lonely. Can I trust you?
1: Yeah. Her point is that communication alone does not... Oh, so there's Jolene again. (laughs) Communication doesn't fix couples' issues. Emotional attachment does. Right. So you can communicate all you want to, but it turns into what she calls demon dialogue where Mm. it's like, it's okay. So we're going to view the couples counselor as the, um, the moderator in a a fight. And you can certainly use couples counseling for that, but it's not the best use of your time. Yeah. You know, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Right. And there's plenty of personality types that will answer. Oh, I want to be right. Like 100% Mm. of the time. But it—if you have uh, emotional attachment, it kind of doesn't matter, you know? right? Like you'll just trade all of that ego in on like, you know what? You're right. Like let's, yeah. You're you're right that this makes you feel uh, like I don't care. You know, like I can definitely see how that would would make you feel. I'm I didn't mean to make you feel that way, right? You know, it, when it's like this is not about the fight. Yeah. This is about how it made you feel. Yeah. And you get down to that, and the right or wrong thing just falls away.
0: Right. And I think I really liked, one of the other reasons I really liked all the anecdotes she provided, because you can kind of, at least I, I don't know, read them and kind of laugh to myself about how stupid they are, some of the fights these people would get into, but then you have to have that wherewithal to know, like, your fights are just as stupid.
1: I've been here. You know,
0: like, it's basically just how you're responding and how you're expressing.
1: Back when I was drinking, my fights would be about the dumbest things imaginable.
0: (laughs) And I mean, like, even, you know, when we had our, our one kind of bad fight that was about Facebook, I was like, you know, this is really not even like that big of a deal to me. To argue like this Just because I didn't want to hurt e- us to hurt each other And you know I think Having a little bit of At least an idea That usually your stupid fights Your DM and dialogues Are broken down into Pretty trivial things That That can be Easily Rectified Whenever you're kind of breaking down what the issue at hand is to tackle together, and then also nurturing your and your partner's emotional needs.
1: So let's, we've kind of gone into this already. Let's talk about these seven conversations that she says that kind of have to happen in her form of therapy. Did you write
0: those down? Because I cannot remember seven things. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, off the top of my head, I remembered roughly one conversation. It was sitting down and doing the damn thing, but yeah, yeah, no. So number one, recognizing demon dialogues. And by that she means you get into the same fight over and over with different things as the catalyst every time, but it's always, he does this, she does this, or they do this. You know, like it's always going to be the same thing every time. And it might wind up being like, I'll get upset about this thing. And he doesn't even care. Yeah. And it's going to be that over and over. So let's just recognize that like, that's the demon dialogue. Yeah. It's not whether or not he picks up the laundry. It's that you view that as disrespect Mm -hmm. and it, and your reaction to that and his reaction to that. And it might be that he shuts down or she shuts down Mm -hmm. And in response to that, by the way, couples systems, one person will react real big Mm -hmm. and the the balance of that will happen on the other side Mm -hmm. where the other person does the opposite. Mm -hmm. So we've got one person getting really big emotions. The other person like trying to balance that out by getting very quiet because they want it. They want things to meet in the middle. Yeah. And that's not what happens. Right. It gets really, gets really out of balance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like as the the person with the really big emotions will get enraged at the fact that the other person's not meeting them in the middle mm-hmm. and matching their intensity. That in itself is is the demon dialogue. So you have to kind of recognize your patterns and the kind of things that you're gonna like get thrown at you and and throw at the other person. And do you really want to do that? Like when you met this person and fell in lust with them, did you imagine like, oh my God, they're so fucking hot. I cannot wait (laughs) to belittle them about every single little thing (laughs) to make myself feel better. So the second conversation is finding the raw spots. Yeah. Which uh, in my case, it's like, You recognize raw spots when somebody has a really huge emotional reaction to something that objectively should not be a big deal. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, next time you and your partner listeners Mm -hmm. have um, a weird fight about something... And you catch yourself, like, maybe, like, calling a friend or texting somebody or just thinking to yourself in the aftermath, like, I don't understand why that freaked them out so bad. Yeah.
0: I, I don't have- understand why they cried or got emotional.
1: Exactly. hmm You found a raw spot. Mm-hmm. And you have to talk to them about not, like, hey, babe, like, so when you cried really bad about that totally normal thing that I did the other day... <laughs> I decided you're dumb. You know, know, no, it's, I need to know why that happened. Yeah. I care about why that happened. Yeah. Because it's very likely that I reminded you of something that made you feel totally unsafe.
0: Even if it's like subconsciously. Yep. Almost. And they're
1: usually not going to recognize what it is right off the top of their heads.
0: And you really do have to do a lot of inner reflection and you thought. have to ask some
1: questions and, yeah. and uh, uh, some good questions about that that I remember uh, off the top of my head that you know we've used recently are okay what was happening right before this fight mm-hmm. um, was this like anything you experienced in a previous relationship or when you were growing up because your family of origin and early relationships are going to be what you're looking at yeah and if you can figure out that hey, this is a raw spot. This is about you know something that you know somebody did to me when I was a teenager, or a little kid, or in my previous marriage. Um, if you can recognize that, that takes the power out of this raw spot. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're done with it, yeah. But generally, raw spots will work by going undiagnosed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. Everything that's like it piles up on top of it in the mm-hmm. exact same spot so you won't just have one injury you'll have 12 injuries mm-hmm. all in the same place like somebody's punching a bruise on your body mm-hmm. over and over and over again it
0: gets infected and you get like ringworm and it's really gross
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was gonna say that um Okay, so uh, conversation number three, revisiting a rocky moment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Break down and analyze some argument, like a typical argument. Yeah. Go beyond the anger to understand how your deeper needs are shaping up your cycles of negativity. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that I've kind of always stood by resentment kills relationships Um, when you, a lot of times people don't like revisiting, you know, rocky times or certain events. Yeah.
1: Spoiler alert. You're not going to like this. Right.
0: Exactly. You know, you don't want to be reminded of that shitty thing you did.
1: No. Um, and being reminded of that (laughs) shitty thing that you did is possibly going to get you emotionally hijacked. Right.
0: And you have to
1: understand like, you know, we're, we're, this is a safe space we're working on something good here. We just have to bring up the shitty thing now.
0: Right. And, you know, whenever you're keeping it locked up because you don't want to start a fight or you don't want to just bring up old things. I remember a a, a previous partner of mine would be like, you're just rehashing the same thing over and over. I'm sorry. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm just growing to resent you. You yeah. know?
1: Instead of, like, pointing out, like, hey, this wound is never healed, we're probably going to have to do something for that. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, shut up.
0: (laughs) Which, again, you have to both be really invested in this for it to work.
1: So the reason why we've got the other parts before this one is that when you revisit that Rocky moment, you need to have the vocabulary and the understanding of like, well, what are demon dialogues? Mm -hmm. What are raw spots? You know, like, so this isn't me going, well, I've decided that I'm going to be upset about this. No, I'm just upset about this. Yeah. And you have to recognize this is a raw spot. And then, when you're talking about how you're upset about this and how the other partner reacts to you being upset, you have to understand like, here's where the demon dialogues come in. Mm -hmm. You know, here's, here's where the, like the negative ways of talking about this problem are coming in. So in order to revisit a Rocky moment, like they say in um, the third conversation, you need to have the understanding of Mm -hmm. of what you're doing and how to kind of keep it safe first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The fourth the fourth conversation is the titular hold-me-tight conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You learn how to be emotionally accessible, responsive, and engaged. And this one is going to be the bedrock of a solid relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you can ask for that need to be met, whether it's having a verbal reassurance, whether it's just a touch... You can really communicate with your partner without worrying, am I going to be rejected? Mm
1: -hmm. Or, or, you know, like you could just put a price on forgiveness. You know, like, Mm -hmm. could I give you $400 and you just be okay with this from (laughs) now on?
0: I think that's how I need to... How much would
1: it cost to hold me tight?
0: Uh, I think that's what I need to pursue from now on.
1: I think I've stumbled into sex work. Um, (laughs) So um, beyond that, um, we're we're just kind of enhancing from here on out. So conversation five is forgiving injuries. Mm -hmm. You have to forgive the past hurt so that you can move forward. Mm -hmm. trust me the first four are are going to lay the groundwork for even being able to forgive Mm -hmm. or ask for forgiveness
0: i will say during this chapter i know a lot of these couples that are mentioned in the book have been together for a long 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 time yeah they're older folks in general yeah and they've been married and have several children um But I don't know. Like, sometimes I listen to, like, what's going on or what their little issue is. I say little. um, And I'm like, y'all should probably break up.
1: (laughs) Right. uh... (laughs) And I agree. Um, In a lot of cases, that would be easier. And statistics point to they will do it again. Mm. However, if you want to, if you are saying I want to continue to have a healthy relationship with this person, this is what you have to do. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to choose to do this. And I am not saying choosing otherwise is bad. Yeah. You know, that's always a choice. <laughs> you know, you could always be like, well, you know, fuck this guy. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this. This is time number 12. And nobody's going to. They're not changing. Yeah.
0: And nobody's going to fault you. Oh. No. And I would throw you a party.
1: Right. <laughs> um, conversation six is bonding through sex and touch.
0: So this one was really hard for me. I cried throughout this chapter. Um,
1: Tell me about that because I don't remember this one. <laughs> oh I'm pretty sure that my kid was telling me about <laughs> Minecraft through this entire one.
0: <laughs> and then he's like, how do people get crabs? Crabs. That was a question he asked me this week. I was like, I, uh, you go to the beach, dummy, the hermit crab store. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this one she talks about, um, three types of sex that couples can have. One is straight your, sex, right? You know, we no. get super I'm, freaky. I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, <laughs> it, for purposes of therapy you know what people are doing in their own homes and free times is their own prerogative Word. but um so you're having secured sex where everybody's having a great time and everyone is connected and it's kind of furthering your emotional connection physically and comfort
1: th- food sex wise
0: right you're everything's good um then you have Oh, God, now I'm forgetting what the other one was. But then you have the one that I, I guess I'm just going to describe it here as insecure sex. So yeah. you're having sex with somebody who is kind of pestering you about it. And you're just like, OK, fine. You know, and so you're obviously not into it, even if you're kind of trying to fake it. And you are. Yeah. And then they had the one that I was more familiar with, which is called solace sex. So. I'm like, if I'm not pursuing this person, if I'm not making myself available, then this person's going to cheat on me. And also another kind of facet of that was I feel so bad in this relationship. I feel so mistreated. This is the only time I really do feel connected to my partner.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that sounds kind of like self-medicating sex.
0: Yeah. Um, which would be
1: my favorite brand (laughs) right just real talk
0: (laughs) right so um I recognized a lot of that description as myself in some previous relationships like feeling really insecure about having sex and not really doing it on my own desire but doing it just so I can like feel a little bit more secure in my relationship that was you know toxic (laughs) yeah um but i you know thought a lot of the couples throughout this chapter were super cute um
1: and honestly thank you for you know for sharing your stories
0: yeah you know
1: you don't have to do that
0: i guess you know this is Like I said, we're going to get like super personal on this podcast, but this is a good time to mention that um, in the last year, I had been previously going to trauma-centered therapy since I was diagnosed with PTSD. And so a lot of places in, I've lived in Birmingham and Nashville and now Atlanta, and a lot of places do have trauma-centered offices that will match you with therapists that are based on some of the experiences that you're dealing with um but since i moved here i've been seeing a sex therapist um i know that i feel like some preconceived notions is I like thought you were
1: seeing a sexy therapist yes
0: <laughs> all therapists it wrong are whole sexy <laughs> um but i've been seeing a sex therapist which i mean is basically a nor a regular therapist. Um, but I sought one out because I felt like my sexual relationships, the sexual parts of my relationships had always kind of been an issue. And in previous therapy, I was always really afraid to talk about it. Um, I just didn't want to make my therapist feel uncomfortable I didn't know if it was a that's
1: not a thing but yeah I understand you (laughs) I understand totally but that's not supposed to be a thing
0: so in a previous life I worked for a suicide hotline and granted that is not therapy but we had trained volunteers that could somewhat counsel but you know if someone's calling about a sex issue this is you're kind of yeah you're kind of instructed to politely hang up um (laughs) Because, you know, Bye. I mean, there were people that were calling like jerking off all okay. the time.
1: OK, so that's different.
0: Right. Well, I mean, but you have to kind of be mean to the people who are really seeking help with a sexual issue just because you're like, are you going to start jerking off on me, dude? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um so but so do I digress. not call up
1: these suicide hotlines <laughs> jerking off. Well, so that's the that's my takeaway. Yeah,
0: from this. Um but I digress. Um I you know sought a sex therapist because I was having a lot of issues with sexual relationships. I do feel like in this book a lot of the issues are a little gendered, and maybe that's just kind of a personal gripe for me. Sure. Um just because one of my issues in sex therapy is I feel super isolated and alone being a, a woman who enjoys sex. So a lot of the anecdotes she provides is like, well, Mitzi doesn't want to have sex with Bobby, her husband in her British accent, which I'm terrible at. Um, I
1: didn't know where you went. I thought suddenly she was here.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes in in my previous relationships, the roles were a little reversed. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of my friends and peers and partners described me as kind of like the man in the relationship. So I would say that's a part that I think could have.
1: And I've usually been the man in my past relationships.
0: (laughs) So we're in a
1: gay male relationship. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because gay
0: men, yeah, they they always want to be banging. um, But... I also one of the downsides was I really wish she would stop calling people lovers, your lover. Yeah, I'm gonna make it ASMR. Your yeah, lover.
1: that's yeah. That and was, love I making just, I, and I personally <laughs> wanted her to grab a different word for it too. It kind of reminded me of that SNL skit with Will Ferrell. Uh,
0: oh, in the hot tub.
1: Talk, yeah, talking about the hot such tub and an the SNL and heavy the, episode. the goat meat. <laughs>
0: Your lover. Uh, this is
1: my lover.
0: But um, and I also just kind of I'm still like because that was a really solid chapter for me. I feel like she also probably and maybe it's just for content sake, but I think an American phenomenon is a culture around shame, and I think that that is a lot of factor in people's sexual issues, shame, yeah. rejection. Um, walking
1: up to that shame and kind of poking it with a stick. Yeah, yeah So sure. I So, you
0: know, I think that sometimes even if it seems like a woman is frigid and never wants to have sex with her husband, you know, she was also taught to be ashamed of that side of her. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we address that? Let's be fair.
1: The seventh conversation is keeping your love alive. Mm-hmm. Basically, the state of all things to quote my old couples counselor, the state of all things is entropy. So things are always in a state of decaying. So once you fix your relationship and you get real good and on the same page Mm -hmm. and you've had this hold me tight conversation and you've forgiven the injuries and you're bonding through sex and touch. Now you're like, Oh, okay. So everything's all good forever. No, it's not dummy. You know, like you continue to still have to do these things. You will still find new raw spots. Mm -hmm. You will have weird fights about nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not like all of it completely ends. But beyond this point, you just have to be vigilant and recognize like, oh, we're doing it. (laughs) Here's that demon dialogue. This is a raw spot that Mm -hmm. I've never found before. Um, or we have assumed that everything's okay and drifted apart and we're not having sex anymore. Mm -hmm. You just kind of have to stay on it. Was that kind of your understanding of uh, that chapter? I
0: liked the analogy she used. It's not like a stone. It's like a bread dough. You need, you have to need the love bread.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to think of it as being like a garden. You know, like you yeah. plant you plant this ideal garden, and then you come back a month later to harvest it, and it's got all these weeds in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the plants need treatment. Like, just because it was perfect four weeks ago does not mean it's perfect now.
0: <laughs> Which I think everybody's COVID gardening projects are crying and like, please help me. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Water. I did write my notes for this chapter, clinically depressed monks, question mark. I think she mentioned that at some point and I was like, what the hell?
1: Was she saying that monks were clinically depressed? She
0: was saying she had like a test group of clinically depressed monks. And I was like, is this like an indie band from 2012?
1: Wow. This is totally, I found my people.
0: (laughs) Um, I have depression and I'm meditating and
1: I'm in a network of depressed monks that are all also meditating.
0: I was just kind of like so confused because of course I don't know a whole lot about monk life and living. Um, you don't get that magazine other than, (laughs) other than what I've seen on eat, pray, love. But, uh, I, I was like, isn't the point of the trade-off, you know, when you devote your life to some kind of religion, you're supposed to be like, really fulfilled and not depressed like that's kind of the trade-off
1: you're supposed to have a path (laughs) so if i'm also
0: depressed i'm like peace yeah (laughs) bye yeah
1: well it's just saying like well now i use these tools yes and they they work if you if you use them yeah like but you're not automatically happy from here on out you're not automatically enlightened yeah. Because you decided to be Buddhist. Yeah. You know, you're always getting there and are never there.
0: So give give monks some credit. They are people I do. Too. They are people, too. Um, I think after this chapter was at the trauma chapter that I really appreciated her including because it kind of opened up the conversation a little bit more on the raw spots. But it also added a layer of what we're really fighting about, mm-hmm. you know, um, they mentioned a lot of men who were in some kind of military war situation that had come to therapy because they were, you know, trying to open up emotionally to their wives and
1: they've got things that they have been told not to talk about.
0: Yeah. So like, I think you I don't really want to
1: bring this stuff home.
0: I really appreciated that that was included because I think a lot of people have so many, traumatic issues that add such a hard layer on their individual mental health recovery Mm -hmm. and their in their relationship. Um, When you're a traumatized person, (laughs) there is so much that you have to navigate and like, is this normal? Am I doing it right?
1: Well, also if you're real good and traumatized, you don't know when you're holding the red flags up sometimes. Mm. I had a friend that came home from several tours in Afghanistan mm. and a couple times an hour it would come up how many how many men he's killed.
0: He would mention it or it's, like oh wow yes. like a flex.
1: Not like a flex. Okay. <laughs> Like Like I
0: killed 50 men. (laughs) Here's
1: your opportunity to get up and leave. If that offends you, here's your opportunity to kind of, you know, poke me to see if I'm still a human or if I've turned into a monster. And my response to that was like, are you okay with that? Mm. You know, like you've been turned into a weapon Mm -hmm. and you're okay with that. And then you go, kill a bunch of people because this is war and that's how war works and then you come home and you don't get debriefed about this at all Mm -hmm. like you're still my friend Mm -hmm. you've just killed a bunch of people now I sure wish you knew what box to put that in Yeah, you know it's okay with me it's okay with me that you've done that but he didn't know that he was waving around a red flag Mm. you know Um, he didn't know what he was doing exactly Um, so yeah, PTSD can kind of blind you to, you know, well, here's, here's this behavior that I do now Mm -hmm. and you don't even think about it. It's just automatic.
0: Or like when I enter in relationships and this is not romantic relationships necessarily, but basically like I have so much love to give and get out into the world, but I don't think I've always said, I don't think I will ever be able to trust anybody. That's just a different category for me. Sure. Um, and that's a traumatized response. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever heard one, <laughs> but I really did like that chapter. Cause I think throughout the times that she's talking about the emotional and it, uh, openness and, and being honest and being truthful. I'm like, but what if they're traumatized? like what if? But um I one thing I wished that they would would have outlined and maybe it's just editing wise it's not important but when it's important I think to let go because I think the anecdotes in the book are people who are very invested in making their relationship work. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that you and I might have encountered who do their best to make it seem like they're invested. But had I had a therapist just telling me this person is lying to you. yeah, You know, um, I sat in couples therapy next to a person who just like lied their ass off the whole time.
1: And um, I sat in couples therapy next to somebody who thought they were telling the truth. Yeah. When they didn't realize that they weren't. And, um, it, you know, I, I was the one that had all the homework to do every week. <laughs> and it was because the other person was not being as forthcoming as, as even they thought that they were. Mm-hmm. And, boy, that's just, like, the, the biggest asterisk. It, mm-hmm. That, like, we really thought that we were working it. And in your case, one of you knew that they weren't. Right. Um, And in both of those cases, there's just, I don't know what you do about that. Like it's just, it's not going to work if both people aren't pulling their weight because this is about like breaking down barriers and, and getting closer and that can be exploited under negative circumstances
0: right and i think conversely i mean when we talk about codependent no more the goal you know in a relationship in a secure relationship is to trust the other person and you're kind of saying i will never leave you you know um like when we have really deep discussions and i'm like why do you feel ashamed? It's just me, you know, and but I do think that it is important, especially if you've been codependent, like I have to really reiterate to your partners or even to yourself, there is some things I will leave you. And yeah. that's just how it is. Um,
1: I'm an adult and I can make a damn adult situation if I want to. You right? Know? Like, um, I feel like. And we've mentioned codependent no more several times mm-hmm. while we're talking about hold me tight. We've mentioned it more times than we've mentioned hold me tight. And it's it's because it's such an interesting book to compare and contrast yeah. against.
0: I didn't expect that when we first started reading it. So codependent
1: yeah. to, to me, here is here is the difference of like why the the I feel like these are kind of a yin and yang thing. Yeah. Codependent No More is about how you would do it wrong. <laughs> Hold me tight is how to do it right. So one is walking away from the darkness. Mm -hmm. The other is about walking towards the light. And it's the same direction, Mm -hmm. but with a different focus, a different emphasis. Mm -hmm. And codependent no more will hopefully get you out of trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, hold me tight will like bring you more into happiness. Yeah. You know, like, so we're we're not even really talking about, like, you're no longer in a traumatic situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the traumatic situations are in the past, and they're called raw spots. Yes. So this is what happens when you heal up a little bit more, and you're in a relationship where the other person is as invested in being healthy and loving as you are.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good sum up of that. Um yeah, I I kind of looked at codependent No more like, well, this is what uh, you know, toxic relationship looks like.
1: Yeah, it was a really genuinely upsetting book that I still
0: <laughs> I have,
1: uh, trauma I'm still from. <laughs> I'm still in a mood about it. All these oh my weeks God, later, right?
0: Um, I had a friend who who has been trying to read along. Um, she's been you know, asking me for the insider knowledge. What book we're gonna be? reading next and next and next um and she was reading along uh, with codependent no more but a summarized like a cliff notes version which mm-hmm. i didn't even know existed i guess that's for men i guess it's lo- <laughs> lo- i guess it's located next to like the deodorant <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can think
1: of a woman who has been offered several self-help books and not read them uh past the first couple pages oh uh, <laughs>
0: that's me i think we established so she that we're was, both men she was
1: reading along with codependent no more but oh yeah cliff, but you cliff know cliff she was it.
0: like i didn't think it was that bad and i was like you just got the condensed version yeah
1: without without all of the um like specific examples of these people's mm-hmm. traumatic stories mm-hmm. it doesn't have the emotional weight and that might mean It's a lot more fun to read. Yeah. But you're not going to have like the crystal clear understanding of like, this is me. (laughs) Oh, shit. I have done this. Yeah. I've been in this situation, you know, or in the case of like some of uh, the author's personal stories in codependent Mm, no more. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened to anyone you know yeah she's completely like valid to talk to me about whatever you yeah. know like I completely believe you now you have lived through this ridiculous crap
0: right yeah I mean and I think that gives her a little more I don't know like like you you know how we have those conversations where I hate talking to people who have never been through anything
1: yeah life?
0: like i just feel like ah, like at least i know i can relate to you at least i know you're fucked up
1: oh your trauma is legitimately fucked up right
0: um at least i know
1: you know where i'm coming from it's comforting to folks like us who like well you know we've certainly had some
0: seen some shit yeah i've seen some shit
1: so what book are we doing next Oh, are we going to start? Yeah, let's start telling them what book we're going to oh. try to do next. And then with a little disclaimer, like, that might not be the book that we actually <laughs> Maybe we abandon ship after 20 pages. Or, um, like, oh, this is a special interest book that I can't talk about on this podcast or something.
0: Oh, um, so I guess it's cool that, you know, I brought up my sex therapist that I've been seeing who I love. Um, She has... Wanted me to read uh, The Ethical Slut, which I just feel like, from what I can tell from it, you know, will be uh, somewhat lighter.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is going to be more uh, like a softball bunt yeah. of a of a book compared to some of the more emotional slogs.
0: Right. And I mean, of course, I've had a lot of traumatic issues surrounding my sex life and a lot of shame and religious trauma so that's kind of the book is written for someone like me Mm
1: -hmm. and i'll be interested to find out what happens to people who have sex that'll be Who've had sex before. That'll be really interesting. Yeah,
0: we um, since Adam gets routinely recommended the Joe Rogan podcast, I always respond with, but you've had sex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. You need to prove it.
1: Spotify has been recommending the most bizarre, <coughs> like not not applicable podcasts to me. <laughs> Lately, I'm not sure what it is that I clicked on or <laughs> searched in Google, but it's like, oh, he's a dude. He's never had sex. You and probably... we're just going to throw a bunch of right-wing conspiracy stuff at him.
0: It's probably after you Googled boobs.
1: <laughs> I Googled boobs porn. <laughs> and it was like, oh, Joe Rogan.
0: You would like this.
1: No, I know that like lots of reasonable people check out Joe Rogan on a on a regular uh regular basis so i wouldn't so. know
0: that because i'm not friends with men
1: so yeah. <laughs> don't know men it's bad um so let's wrap up with this book what God. is what's your takeaway from hold me tight like how did you feel about the book the audiobook the author like what are you going to remember about it on your deathbed i'm sorry mm. what are you going to use you know every day from this book
0: um, I think just having a reminder of having my needs met, um, which my therapist and I talk to all the time because I feel like I don't deserve them a lot. Um, so you deserve your needs being met because you're a person. So that's not because you're worthy. Right. Um, so that's one um, another one is just kind of on that journey to be a trusting and open person, and kind of which I get my rational brain to grab onto. You know, like if this person chooses to mistreat me, then that's really their problem. And I'm just, it becomes my problem if I stay in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's their problem, then, you know, I can move on rationally yeah um so just keeping those things in mind um as i try to be a more open and trusting person my therapist usually um shows me out it's like talk to your friends <laughs> please talk to your friends this week
1: <laughs> mine is like i need you to write you know like mm. i need you i need you to write this down or write a song you know, yeah. like it, it, he's like, I know it's going to come out as a song, but yeah. please try to kind of journalize about the stuff that you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that in my case, the whole part about raw spots was <laughs> right. was the most important part and will mm-hmm. probably continue to be. Um, the arguments that I used to have with my partners have dropped by more than 90% mm-hmm. since I realized this thing about raw spots. Yeah. Um, and with you, I'd like to try to drop it by 90% again, <laughs> you know? Um, they were doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. You know, <laughs> if you if you see if you see a raw spot um, argument happen once or twice a year, I'd say we're doing okay. Yeah. You know, and um, I think we're on track for that. Yes. Uh, but that's not to say that, you know, I don't get those raw spots hit all the time. Yeah. The problem is, uh, or the solution is that I make a different choice now. Yeah. Instead of just like going straight to, I'm not safe. You know, like this person does not have my best interests in mind. Like I have to like say fuck you to this person and withdraw and go to a safe space. Yeah. Now it's like, it's entirely possible that. I'm having a thing right now and I need to say what that thing is instead of like getting mad about it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, instead I'm going to go straight to like, um, I, I'm angry, but I think it's because my feelings are hurt about this. Yeah. Not I'm angry. Ah. You know, right. Like, so you turn up any emotion enough and it turns into anger basically. And I, I immediately try to like, okay, all right, so lizard brain is saying I'm not safe and to get angry and to defend myself right now. But is it because I'm scared about something? Yeah. And why, you know, is my lover the person standing in the room with me as I'm feeling this way? Yeah. You know, who? Boy, that's 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 a big. You you have to make a choice right there mm-hmm. about what you're gonna do. Or am I gonna go straight to yelling at you about stuff? Or am I gonna go like I don't feel safe right now?
0: Yeah, because when you tell me that, or when I tell you that, we can just skip the whole demon dialogue.
1: Ideally, we skip the fight part and right. go straight to the next step. You know, which is I I think of that as being a big part of what being a grown up is. Yeah. That, like, okay, all right, so if I was a kid or a teenager mm-hmm. or even up to 25 and this happened, yeah, this we'd be having a fight right now. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. Let's yeah. just skip the emotional response and go straight to solving the problem.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, I try. <laughs> it's it's a little harder for me. Um, but, you know, I'm
1: working on it. Yeah, it comes with age. <laughs>
0: I am old. You are not. We've talked about this. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm, And yet, <laughs> time-wise, I have the advantage. Um, okay, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to tell us about the socials, Amber? Oh, right. So, Dr. Sue Johnson, she does have social media. I, I thought it. you were going to say Dr. Seuss.
0: Dr. Seuss. Uh, our social media, our Instagram is checking.in.podcast You know, go on there.
1: I saw that um Dr. Gay Hendricks um liked our podcast.
0: He did. Which
1: thank you so much uh, for checking us out, Doc. And also and his
0: wife followed
1: us and, I'm, and commented. It, I'm extremely concerned though, because the beatdown is coming, you know, like no. he's, go- he's he's going to find me and he's going to beat me up for the slightly not nice things that I said. Oh
0: my god, He's going to be like, y'all are
1: stupid. Um, <laughs> that's, that's honestly, that's
0: no, a lot of people who are listening, um, told me that that quote I posted about the internal thermostat is really, they really liked it. And I'm like, well, read the whole thing. Come yeah. on. Um, and yes, Katie, Catherine commented, and it made my heart so happy. But Dr. Sue Johnson is just at Dr. Sue Johnson. Um, She's not even verified, but she has a ton of followers. I'm sure
1: she could pay $8 for, oh, wait, no, that's a different
0: platform. Oh, and the EFT that we were talking about earlier is Emotionally Focused Therapy. Just okay, well, I think phone. I
1: think maybe she needs to mention EFT 900 <laughs> more, more times in the so revised we'll edition. Hey, these two idiots with this podcast couldn't remember it. So I'm going <laughs> to add it, you know, twice as many times in this. So it's going to be every other word. So I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that we forgot that.
0: <laughs> well, it's, I, only,
1: it's only because we're zooming through. I this.
0: literally first five seconds of recording messed up the title of the first book classic so i i think you're good um but thank you so much for listening Uh, we will be here next week see y'all later